Good morning, good morning. Again, it is good, it is good to be back uh, after, after a couple of months and uh, be worshiping with you here at North Brevard, both here in the, uh, at our church building and as well as you all who are tuned in uh, via the internet. So uh, let's begin. If you uh, are able to, if you would please stand and we'll begin our worship with I will call upon the Lord. I will call Pray with me, please. Most Holy Father, we humbly call upon you. Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day. Father, we thank you for the fact that we live in a country where we can freely assemble to worship you, to learn, to hear lessons, to fellowship, to grow in strength. Father, we pray that you will be with us this morning in all that we do in our worship and that it will be pleasing to you. Father, we thank you for all the blessings you so generously give all of us. Father, we are so privileged to live in this country of blessing and prosperity. And we pray, Father, we never lose sight of the blessings you have given us or the fact that these blessings come from your hand. Father, we pray that you would be patient with us and forgive us of our sins. Father, we fall short and we ask that when we fall that you reach down, that you pick us up, that you set us on the right path, that you encourage us, Father. We owe so much and we give so little. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that you sent him to this earth to die for the remission of our sins and that by look, looking at us through him, you see us in a different light. And Father, that you find us acceptable servants. Father, we're thankful for the church here. We're thankful for all of the members of the church, Father. We're thankful for our ministers. 
for the leadership of the elders and deacons. And Father, we pray that the church will continue to grow here and that it will become even stronger. We pray, Father, that as we progress through life, that you help us to become more mature so that we can all serve you better. Be with us, help us to sing joyfully, help us to pray fervently, and help us, Father, to listen to the lesson presented with open hearts and minds so that we can truly grow in service to you. This we ask in Jesus' most holy name, amen. Before we take to the Lord's Supper, let's sing, I come to the garden alone. I come. from 1st Peter the first chapter beginning at verse 16 <clears throat> for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to surround this table, to be reminded of just how much you love us. We know, Father, that even before we were here, that you planned for Jesus to come give us life to save us from our sins. We know we are weak and sinful people and that we would have had no path to you other than through him. 
Father, we thank you that he willingly gave his life on that cross for us. Help us as we take this emblem of that body given for us to do so in a manner pleasing to you. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please continue with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for Jesus' willingness to shed his blood. The blood that we know today washes away our sins and makes it possible for us to be pure and clean in your sight. Be with us as we take this emblem of that blood. Help us to do so in a manner pleasing to you. In Jesus' holy name. take a moment and reflect on the offering that we're about to give the Lord. We, we, we get to this point at the service where we're collecting funds to enable this church to be able to operate in this community and to further God's kingdom, but the offering is actually more than that. He's looking for the commitment for us to turn our lives over to him. So I ask that you reflect on that as we bow in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come today to worship you, to, to look over your over the teachings that you're, you have given us and that you ask for such a small portion of what you have blessed us with to be given back to you. Not that you need it for your kingdom to be here and to function, but really for us to understand what it's like to be able to give and to sacrifice for a cause that is greater than ourselves. Father, we ask that you be with us this morning as we give this offering to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now before our lesson today, let's uh, again, if you'd please stand and we'll sing to God be the glory. <clears throat> to God be the glory, great things he hath done, so loving the world that he gave us his Oh, 
If I get excited, I'm going to trip over that. <laughs> so I was just thinking this morning as I was getting ready and I was looking in that beautiful mirror of mine in the bathroom, how many else of you were doing the exact same thing? That got a little awkward for a minute. What? Yours looked old? <laughs> yeah, the image, uh, it, it doesn't stay the same every day, does it? You know, I was just thinking about the amount of time we probably spend in our lifetime getting ready. Becoming presentable. It's a lot of time, isn't it? Some of you, it's a really, really, really long time. <laughs> Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Oh man, I've watched, I've watched, I had a friend in college, he used to take him 45 minutes just to do his hair. And he had short hair. We spend a lot of time on image. It's just the truth. Every single one of you showed up today, not by chance. But you made a decision. How you were going to comb your hair, you made a decision how your face was going to look, for you ladies especially, right? You made a decision. What clothes you were going to wear, even down to the name brands at times, right? Image is important. If image isn't important, tell me why one car costs $20,000, why another car costs a mortgage payment. Because they drive longer? Because when you fix them, the parts are cheaper? No, because image is that important to the world. So today I wanted to focus, in fact, the next couple weeks, I want to focus on this idea of image. It is so important and it's all through scripture. And to me, I think there's something very profound that we don't talk about that often when it comes to this idea of image in biblical context, okay? And y'all know where I'm going. Genesis chapter one is where everything starts, right? And here is God, he's creating man, and it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So there's this discussion. What does it mean to be, to be made in the image of God? Do I look like God? If I actually got to see God today, would I look like God? Is that what it means by image? Is, uh, does God have uh, ten fingers and ten toes? Or is it in his likeness from the perspective of the entirety of us? You see, a lot of times when we think image, we don't think that deep, do we? Because image isn't really a deep thing. It's really... A shallow thing. A lot of our image is based on what we wear, what car we drive, what job we have. Not really the person that you are. But when God says, I've made you in my image, I've made you in my likeness, he's not just talking about from a shallow perspective. He's going very deep, and I want you to see this today. I don't know why I put the E.T. picture there, but it felt right. Psalm 8, 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? So here is David, and obviously he is saying, look, I look at the, the vastness of the universe, the mighty power that you display every single day when I open my eyes, and I see how all of this stuff works together, and then I realize, and then I realize, very important, then I realize all that was made for me. All that was made for me. Why? What makes me so special? What makes us so special? That God, in his infinite power, with all the time in the world, right? He's eternal. Why would he build us such an amazing world to live in? Why would he spend so much time on each of us individually? Why does he even care? Verse 5, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And crown him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have given him ownership, control over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See, part of the likeness of God that we have received is we are the greatest thing on this earth. We are. We are the greatest thing on earth. We have dominion over everything on earth. Listen, all the gorillas in the world could align and come after us. We could have Planet of the Apes. That ain't happening. Planet of the Apes ain't winning against us. We have dominion over them. So that's part of this idea of being made in the image of God is that we have dominion over that which was created for us. But I want to take a little bit of a turn here because that's the typical answer. That's the one most of you who've been going to church all your life, that's what you're expecting to hear. Now I want to go a little bit different. Exodus 20, starting in verse 1, says, And God spoke all these words, saying, and this is the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So the first commandment is what? Have no other gods before me. Don't have any other gods. Why is that important to God? Because there is no other God. Anything else you worship is a lie. That's what scripture says. And it doesn't take very long to get through scripture to figure that out. 
anything else in script, anything else in this world that you worship is a lie. It's not real. In fact, fast forward to the New Testament. Paul says those who worship idols might not be knowing that they're actually worshiping demons. That's not Old Testament, that's New Testament. Okay, which brings us to the second command, which is don't have idols. Don't make images. You know that Isaiah and Jeremiah spend a decent portion of time during their prophecies mocking idols? Do you know that? They mock them. They say, look, one half of the piece of the log is meant for the fire. The other half of the piece of the log, you carve it, you paint it, and then you worship it? Right? Another time they say, hey, you sit here and you worship an idol. Can an idol breathe? Can an idol see? Can an idol understand? Can an idol discern? Can, does an idol have wisdom? Is an idol going to be able to go out and defend you later? Is there anything an idol can do? Why would you worship an idol? That's what the scripture says over and over and over again. What is the point? I think there's a point that's been lost. I think there's a point that sometimes maybe we're afraid to say, maybe we're uh, uh, uncomfortable to admit about ourselves. That's right here in the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments. And that is this. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to be brave. And I'm going to say, you are the image of God. Why does God want a piece of wood that can't do anything? You are the image of God. You can breathe, you can see, you can rationalize, right? You can discern. You have wisdom, you can create. We can send people to the moon. We can do anything we want. We are the image of God. We have been given domain of this world. And the truth is, is our image is to bring glory to God. It's the only thing in this world that brings glory to God. Our lives are living sacrifices of worship. And when we are transformed, our life, our very life, our very breath, the very actions we take day to day bring glory to who? God. Why? Because we represent the image of God. Man, when we do the right thing, we bring glory to God. You ever think about that? You don't just do the right thing to escape hell. Right? You don't just do the right thing because you don't want to be a bad person. When you do the right thing, you actually are doing what you were created to be. The image of God. God doesn't need an idol. That's why he says don't make one. One, is there any idol? Is there any artist? Is there anything in the world that can actually grasp and capture the greatness of God? How do you box it up? How do you draw it up? How do you sculpt it out? You can't. The best chance you got is to look at another person trying to follow Jesus. That's the closest thing to God you're ever going to see on the face of this earth. So take home number one is simple, man. The, the, the reason he doesn't want you worshiping images is because he wants you to be the image. He wants you to be the image of God. 
Not looking for something that, that, that you can throw that image onto. No. You're the image of God. You're the closest thing in this world to God. You're the only thing in this world that can truly act like God. And when you do, you bring glory to him. Colossians 1, verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. This is talking about Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You see that? Everything was created for who? And what was he while he was on this earth? Jesus said, have you seen me? You've seen the Father. Other scripture says, though, did he consider himself equal with the Father? No. He didn't think being equal with the Father was something that could be grasped. But he was the image of the invisible God. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. The same with us. When people see us, when the world sees us, they should see Jesus. Now, I understand none of us are perfect. and They don't always see Jesus in every, every one of us at all times, right? But that's what we were created to be. Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, in the radiance and the glory of God, and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become a much, as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited and, more, and, and is more excellent than theirs. You see, this is the goal in life for every Christian. It should be to try to become the exact imprint of Jesus, just like Jesus has become the exact imprint of the Father. This is our goal. It started right at the beginning when he created us in his likeness. Now he's telling us, become like me again. Romans 8, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Man, we love that part of the scripture, right? For those who are called according to his purpose, even though that part of the scripture can be very difficult at times where life isn't going right, at times where something unexpected happens, at times where things feel like events are happening out of order, man, it's really hard to see that first part of that verse, right? But look what the second part of this verse says. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among 
many brothers. See, this is our purpose in the world. We don't have to make it more complicated than it really is. You want to get to the very basics of the Bible? You want to get to the foundational principles of the Bible? It's as simple as it is today, as it will be tomorrow, as it will be forever. Read your Bible and be like Christ. Be the image of the living Son of God. That which conquered death. That which conquered sin. Be that image. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he has also glorified. See, our life brings glory to God. And I don't even think, like, I don't, I don't think there's any, I've been thinking about how to, how to describe that. Because I don't, I don't know how to make it hit. I don't, I don't know how to make it as powerful as it should be. Your life brings glory to God. Forget that the right choices keep you out of hell. Because guess what? Scripture actually contradicts that. Scripture never said, if you make enough right choices, you've done good enough to get to heaven. Actually, Scripture says, you can't make enough right choices to get to heaven. It's only by the grace of God that you're going to get to heaven. See, the most powerful, the most impressive part about our righteousness is that in our lives, when we make the right choice, we glorify God. We bring glory to God. You know, when you're a child... Maybe even as an adult. I know I still like to make my parents proud. Anybody like to make their parents proud? It's pretty nice when your dad or your mom comes up and says, man, that, that's really good. I'm proud of you. I don't want to say that when we bring glory to God that it's like God up there saying, I'm proud of you. Because that's not even powerful enough. So the second take home is to be the image of God we were created to be, we have to be like Christ in the time we were created for. And why did I say it that way? I know when I was, uh, when I was um, preparing this, and I, as many of you know, I, I, I write a lot of almost every one of my sermons with um, Nick Idings, who's a minister down the road who graduated from our youth program. And when I, when I first wrote this take home, he was like, Matt, that sounds really weird. But it's true. You see, the world is changing. And culture changes. But at the end of the day, regardless of where the world goes and where culture goes, I still have to be Christ in this world at this time. You know what's amazing when you think about it? You could have been put in any time. You could have. Some of y'all might have fit better in some different times. Right? And I would have loved to have lived in the time before automobiles. Right? Just ride horses around there. Right? Yeah! And then I realized there's no running water. Right? You were put in this time for a reason. God put you in this exact time 
for a reason. He created you for this time. And every challenge through life, through history, through time is different. This is our time. And we're still called to do the same thing. Listen, the world changes, but it all stays the same, right? Satan comes at us in different ways. He's always upgrading his technology. He's always upgrading the way he comes at you. He's always upgrading how he tempts you with sin. He doesn't sit still. He doesn't rely on his old bag of tricks. They're new all the time. But the elements don't change. The way he comes at us does not change. The basics of the rules do not change. The basics of right and wrong, if you will, they do not change. So in order to be the image of God, I have to study the word of God. I have to, I have to embrace the word of God. And then I have to live the word of God in the time that I live in. For everybody, that's a little different. If we lived in a different country even, or a different place on earth right now, we might be a little bit different. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14 through 18, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. You know, I put this scripture in here because I wanted to talk about when Moses met God on Mount Sinai. Right? And he wants to see God, and God's like, well, you can't see me. If you see me, you'll die. You can't actually look into my face, you'll die. You can't handle it, but I'll walk by you. And when he walks by him, he's been in the presence of God. When he walks by him, he comes down to the people, and he is radiating. He's bright. He's so bright, people can't look him in the face. He's so bright in order for people to deal with him, they literally have to put a veil over his face. And I was thinking about the other night when I went fishing in Sebastian. And my sister broke a rod on my head. Yeah, it happened. I got scars to prove it. And I was thinking about how every time I go to Sebastian, there's always that guy who's never fished there before. And he's always got that lantern that he forgets to turn off. And every time he looks around, he looks you right in the eyes. And so does his light. And that's, that's Moses in this moment. People can't look at him. They look at him and it makes them angry. Why? Because you're blinding me. You're messing up my vision. You're physically changing my vision. Even if it's for a moment, Right? Everybody's been there where somebody shines the light, ha-ha, flashbang, right? You got that blue spot in your vision for a minute. This is Moses. 
They have to put a veil over him, their leader, because he has been in the presence of God and his physical image has changed. You think anybody looked at Moses the same after that? They still don't look at Moses the same. Before Moses went up to the mountain, they thought, he's all right. He's all right, right? Go talk to any Jew today about Moses. He's one of the top three in their history. Right? He goes up to the mountain for a little while. Oh, he must be dead. Time to, time to throw all our gold in the pot and see what pops out. Comes back down from the mountain glowing from being in the glory of God. Everything changes. They would do anything Moses says. Not everything God says. Anything Moses says. Not without grumbling and complaining. I know what some of y'all are. I can hear your thoughts. Look what it says real quick. And we all, verse 18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Does that mean one day I'm going to walk around like I got my uh, high beams on and nobody can even look at me? I'm so bright. It means that we should stand out in this world the same way Moses stood out among the Israelites. And the only way people won't be able to see it is if they veil their own face. They don't want to see it. You see, at the end of the day, what people are uncomfortable saying is that we are the image of God. And I want to tell you that I want to encourage you tonight, whether you come back tonight or not, I'm continuing this series. So by the time I speak the next Sunday morning, if you haven't watched that Sunday night sermon, you're going to be lost. So I'm encouraging you to watch that tonight, whether you come back or not. But it's okay to feel uncomfortable being compared to the image of God. Why? Because I'm not perfect. Because there's plenty of things you can point out in my life that are not where they should be. They're not up to the standard of God. And in no way am I saying that you are God on earth. In fact, if you come back tonight, I'm going to tell you the exact opposite of that. But you are his image. Paul says, even if it's a poor reflection, it's still a reflection. You are the image of God. And it's okay to be uncomfortable with being compared to God because we're not the image we should be. But I don't want to leave you with that. I want to leave you with, you will be. You will be. You see, here's the other truth about the gospel. That's real easy to say, hard for people to accept. You know, I can't get there. I can't get back to that image I was created to be, I cannot get back to it on my own. It's not going to be my own doing that gets me back to that, right? It's not even my own doing right now that's got me this far. I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. That is changing my heart. It's changing my mind. I'm allowing God to influence me. 
But even then, I understand the word, I study, I know right from wrong. Even then, I still can't get back to perfection. Even then, at times, my mind takes me captive. At times, my heart leads me astray, right? Even then, I still have struggle. There's not a person in this room, I don't care if you're an elder, a deacon, a minister, you've done it for 30 years, you've done it for your whole life. There's not a person in this room that has completely overcame temptation and sin completely in their life. It doesn't happen like that. But it will. But it will. And it only will because of the grace of God. You see, the real image of God is more than just righteous acts. The real image of God is more than just being sinless. The real image of God is being gracious, is being merciful, is being loving, is being forgiving. These are also things we are capable of being. And I know everybody in here has some personal connection to those words and somebody showing you those words and how it changed your life. We don't come to Jesus because we're afraid of him. We stick with Jesus because we love him. Are you the image of God? You were made in it. Are you the image of God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Look, there is no other way to the Father but through the Son. Have you had your sins washed away through baptism? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God, you becoming the temple of God, God literally housing inside of you, God literally partnering with you, God literally going everywhere you go, helping you think, helping you reason, helping you feel. For those of us who have, I pray that every day we just try to get a little bit more like you. And even at times when life knocks us down, when life makes us feel like we're never going to get there, I pray we never give up. Because the truth is, by your own strength, by your own might, by your own toil, you're not going to get there. It's only by the grace of God we will. And it will be in His time. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are we being the image of God? Come back tonight. We're going to talk about the distorted image. The image most of us have bought into. And then we'll compare and contrast those later. If there's any reason to respond to the invitation today, you can come as together we stand and sing. Would you live for Jesus and be all
you didn't get excited and trip over anything up here because he never gets excited if you're wondering what this is some of the dry goods and the canned goods and things like that um, we're doing pack the pulpit and we're gonna be doing that for several weeks uh, maybe get high enough where you won't be able to see Mike or whatever it is but we're gonna continue bringing things and leaving it up there kind of see how that's growing because we have a really robust effort here uh, to reach out the community and feed people uh, we we average, what, about 100 families a week as far as food. So that's what we've got going on. That's why that's up here right now. Uh, a couple of things out of the bulletin. If you didn't pick one up, pick one up. Uh, Bob Caddy was here this morning. He's recovered. He's uh, doing well. I did talk to him. They didn't figure out what was wrong with him. They just, just, he's doing better now. Uh, a week ago, uh, last Friday, Justin and Stephanie Lawrence, they had a house fire. We gave them some help. If they need some more help, we'll let you know. They'll let us know, hopefully. Mary Parkinson, she's a previous member here. Uh, she has a brain tumor. She's not going to seek any treatment. She's very weak. The address and everything isn't in the bulletin, so I'll try and get that and make it, make it aware, and we'll probably put it on the Facebook if you want to send Mary a message or something like that. Doesn't have a lot of time left on this earth. Uh, Bill Larner had knee surgery this last Wednesday. He's here today, so he's doing well. B. Fisher had cataract surgery last Friday, and I don't see B here, but... Uh, that's pretty good. B's in her 90s, and she just keeps on going. Uh, Richard Bauer, he began radiation treatment last Wednesday. And uh, Wanda's also asking for prayers. Wanda's Richard's uh, wife. He also has him for prayers for her brother, uh, Robert Abney. Uh, he, he is also uh, suffering with health issues and poor health and things like that. So keep, uh, keep the Bauer family in your prayers as well. And Lex has a few things he wants to say. Stay there. Stay here. <laughs> All right. My wife does that too. <laughs> Doug, you could have stayed too. I just want to tell all of you, if you weren't here yesterday, it's going to be tough for my son's moral service. You missed out. This church made me so proud. The love you showed the love that was in this entire building was phenomenal. And it just made me so proud of you that you are that close to God. So I thank you for my family. I thank you for Lex. And I thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the one true and living God. So thank you so much. I love you all. I'm through.
<laughs> Amen. <laughs> hey, Lex, it's pretty good from up here, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, for our so final song and prayer, would you please stand and... Uh, So much for this day for this opportunity we've had together together study a portion of your word and praise you in song father we thank you for this congregation we have so much love here father and it's all because of you and we, we thank you for that yesterday's service showed just what kind of love we have we ask that you bless those that were involved those that attended bless each and every one of them father we thank you now, Father, we're reminded of our sick list, Father. We're all in need of your help. <coughs> There's some on our sick list that are in dire need. We ask that you be with them. Some are physical, some have emotional problems, some spiritual. We ask you to heal them, give them comfort, give them understanding. Now, Father, as we go out into this world, we pray that you give us the strength and love to show your image and what it's like to be part of your family. Now go with us, forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Is it still on? And for those of you who don't know, that is my brother in Christ. We were baptized the same night, Christmas Eve. Love you, Bill. Love you.